This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey, this is Jedi Master Rob LaBerry, host of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast, and you're listening to... Wait, hold on, hold on one second. What the force? Hey, hey, aren't you Dr. Sonny Ravencourt of the University of Coruscant? Nope. No, you absolutely are. I recognize you. Now, you were in the archives not too long ago. I believe you were on a tour, a guided tour. Uh... Look, here's the deal. This temple is not open to outsiders without escort. So you're going to just have to move right along or I'm going to have to get Jedi Temple security. Oh, come on. I can't get this kind of information at the University of Coruscant. Look at this transcription. This Jedi was murdered. All right. Uh, that That's it. We're not going to have this conversation. Padawan, please go get the temple guards. Oh, I really don't think you need to call Jedi secure. Okay, here they come. I got to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Goodbye, Dr. Ravencourt. All right, all right sorry about that. Uh, where was I? Oh, right. And you're listening to Conversations Podcast with Pat and Charles. It's a translation to a Star Wars nation. It's a celebration. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is the Episode 69 The Lost 20. 20 rogue Jedi who did not return their library books on time. Jedi Master and Temple Archivist Jocasta Nu heavily fined them for betraying the teachings of Master Dewey and his decimals. 20 lost Jedi banished from the temples forever. Who were they? Where did they go? These questions will probably not be answered on tonight's conversation. And who is that mystery voice? Oh, um, Ro? <laughs> the Podfather yeah. himself. What is up, everybody? From the Scarif Podcast, one half of the originators of the Red 5 Network, which we are proudly members of. First time that we've had Ro on our show. And, is it? Um, yes. 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 Can Wait you believe it? No, 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 no. Yes. It's, a, it's, it's like I talk to you guys in my sleep. I mean, Charles is asleep, yes. <laughs> but... This is yes, the I first do. official encounter on our platform. Yes, because oh. we did Saw Guerrera with uh, you and Brad. So, yes. Wow. Yeah. So, welcome aboard. Thank you for joining us. We're uh, quite honored. The honor is mine. But, uh, you know, we have a very interesting topic tonight. And thank you for including me. This is a topic, actually, that Brad and I wanted to do before he shipped out to the outer rim of, uh, of the galaxy to do his thing. But um, it, it's... It's going to be a fascinating topic. Lost 20. This yeah. is, um, I know we've talked about this, uh, Charles and I, several times, just kind of in uh, you know a casual aspect of like, hey, isn't it a cool idea and a cool like sort of backstory to some of the characters and all. You know, we kind of reserved this talk for this, though. Yeah. The Lost 20 for me wasn't really part of any discussion of Star Wars until the deleted scene in Attack of the Clones, which I never really watched until I think I got the DVD set and I was just going through it. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. 
It's uh, definitely a fascinating uh, subject matter. I hate the fact that he left it out, that he put it on the cutting room floor, because, like I said, it, it is fascinating. It's one of those things that I really would love to learn more about, um, especially in the in the films, because uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that they left behind for the prequel trilogy, and I think uh, this is definitely one of those things that it'll be fun to kind of tease all that stuff out. Yeah, before all this, Charles thought the lost twenty was um, was that that twenty dollar bill he left in his jeans when he put in the wash. Um, which I which which I found because I, I I grabbed some uh, some jeans from the thrift store and I was looking <laughs> through the pocket in there. <laughs> and it was a lost twenty. As Ro was saying in his well crafted intro, and I got to up my game now. Um, <laughs> a lot of this is kind of revealed by Jocasta New. The Jedi librarian who's still so mad at them for <laughs> for being tardy on book weekend. You know, and it's uh, her character is intriguing too. And I, I wanted to do an episode with uh, with Rob of Jedi Temple Archives, obviously because of his you know propensity to archive Jedi secrets. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. You know, she was uh, in a comic book. Um, after the fact, I think it was a Charles Soule written uh, book. Um, and again, just fascinating stuff from the prequel era. And, uh, you know, the Lost 20, if you don't read any of the ancillary material, you don't know who they are. You don't know what's going on. I mean, there's hints of it, um, obviously, through the novels, and we'll get to that. But, uh, it's, you know, that whole aspect of the relationship between Dooku and the Lost 20 and Jocasta New, I, I find that intriguing. I love that stuff. Yeah, and you know, and when we see that scene, Obi Wan's there and asking about Camino and uh, the missing system, and we see the busts, you know, uh, in the foreground, and you know, obviously they're not referred to because, like we talked about, it ended up being a, a deleted scene. Uh, that intrigue is planted right there, and it's like it's a very Jedi approach where these busts, as as we come to know, are the Lost Twenty or the Lost, as they were referred to, and to enter this temple of knowledge you have to walk by these busts and a mental note where you're walking in here before you learn learn from the past uh and as pat let me know like it was what maybe even a couple of years ago that dooku was the last member of this uh 20 i find it very intriguing that they put this in the temple archives where padawans and, and jedi masters are meant to come and learn Absolutely. You know, and, and again, just a, another credit to George Lucas. He builds these worlds and sometimes, you know, he doesn't he doesn't find the need to explain them. And I think, you know, that, that could obviously be a, a double edged sword. It could be detrimental to the story. But, you know, I think in, in this case, it kind of enriches the, the the tapestry of the Jedi and the tapestry of the prequels. You know, there's there's a scene in one of his first movies, THX 1138, where. Um, there's a there's a crowd of people in stands and they're looking back and forth. They go back and forth. Their heads are looking this way. They look that way. They look this way. And then it cuts to something else. Um, there's a chase that ensues with the main character. And you never they never explain like what what is this crowd doing? And I think it's kind of like a game. It's almost like tennis. Mm. People are looking back and forth, but it's not exactly explained. And I think that's. Part of the mystique of, of George is he he creates these worlds and these universes in his head, puts them on film, and then it's it's almost like up to you to kind of try to figure it out. And obviously, you know, we 
we as podcasters and as as fans, we we love to kind of pick all that stuff apart and kind of think about it. What does this mean? And I think that's intriguing. And I think the Lost Twenty is definitely part of that whole mystique of you know we're we're creating this mythology. What do you think of it? And you know some of that stuff is peppered throughout the prequels, but it gets fleshed out a little more, like I said, in the ancillary material, mm-hmm. which uh, I just I just find that fascinating. Yeah, and I think the most important part is you're not going to explain every little corner of the galaxy and every aspect of everything in a film. And I think if, if everything goes explored and explained, then it feels superficial. It feels fake. Mm. Okay, Everything is so shallow enough to be explored in a two-hour movie. Makes it seem smaller than it is. Okay. So when you're like, oh, well, Who's Broom Boy from The Last Jedi? It's like, well, okay. Everybody's not going to be explained all the time. So you've got these these scenarios where you've got things that are on screen that aren't necessarily something that we even need to know, firstly. But then secondly, gives the opportunity is through, like Ro was saying with Ancelary Matias, where we can get more information on those. But what I found was really interesting about the Lost with why they immortalized them. I thought it was really cool that they reminded the Jedi of their failures of the past. You know, it wasn't just re- mm. learning from the past, learning from the failures of the past. Those that don't learn from history are doomed to repeat them. You know what I mean? Mm. A good teacher failure is, or whatever that line is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. And the fact that he didn't include it in the movie, yet it still made it to the deleted scenes of the movie itself. Let's say even Rogue One, the entire plot for Rogue One, where it was just like a, a line or two in the crawl. But it's, uh, <laughs> as you said, Rogue, it gives us all this fodder for extra stories and what the heck is this about? We analyze every detail and then just go to town on it. It's our bread and butter. <laughs> it's I mean, true. You know, look, look. Look at us. We're we're talking about you know the the um what's and I can't remember the character's name. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, the ice cream maker dude. <laughs> oh, Will Warrell Hood. Yeah, Will Warrell Hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's getting a spinoff. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. I'm sure. Of it. <laughs> yes, he's already been. Will Warrell Hood. Yeah. A Star Wars story. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Dooku and Dooku's bust in the archives, he's he's obviously the the twentieth of the loss. However, in the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama, it cuts back to a young um, Dooku asking who the lost were. Mm, and, um, you know, he's asking Yoda, who better to ask, <laughs> I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, basically Yoda explains it to him kind of in a way that they, you know, not faulting them, not, not putting blame on those Jedi, but basically just saying that they became disillusioned with the Jedi Order, uh, the principles of the Jedi, their way of life, those sorts of things that that are, I know we've, we've spoken about it before, but how like the Jedi Code is almost impossible to live by. Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself having these thoughts or feeling these feelings that aren't in line with the Jedi way, um, that you feel inadequate or that you, you can't be a Jedi any longer, things of that nature that, that kind of question if you're 
able to still be, you know, one of these beings that are held to a higher standard than everyone else. So that being said, it's like, you know, you've got these characters that have, have left the order, have left, you know, studying the, the, the light side or, or whatever the case may be, um, because they, they, they feel it's unattainable, which it kind of is. Yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit um, and ask you, uh, turn the the tables on you. Is it really unattainable? I mean, in the real world, we have, you know, monks that live by a certain code and, you know, they're they're living that way. Um, uh, But, you know, I I think every culture has a a story of a group of of spirituals, of a group of, of priests or heroes or things like that that kind of question their own um you know their own teachings uh and uh you know again just going back to george lucas's experience in in school and you know anthropology and things like that you know he likes to kind of throw those things in there and i i think that's it's i think it's fascinating i think it's a teaching moment not only for fans but just you know moviegoers in general um to be able to kind of throw that stuff in there uh because it does teach you kind of I don't know, a wide variety of, of cultural references that, you know, you may not understand them through the eyes of a Jedi, but you might understand them through the eyes of Buddhism or, or faith-based type things there is. Yeah, those sort of um, heavily devoted sets of individuals, yeah. I mean, I think that, that there's definitely determination that would require for you to follow through, and that's, you know, the Jedi way. You start off as a Padawan, you're, you know, recruited essentially at a very young age. And you follow through all these trials and you go through all these different levels and you become a Padawan and then a a Jedi and then a Jedi Master. And then maybe one day you make it onto the council. So those different levels of training and perseverance definitely does take fortitude and, you know, the zoom zoom, as (laughs) our buddy um, uh, Honda would say. You know, that's like the flashy side of being a Jedi, being out in the outer rim and, and, you know, keeping the peace. But it takes a lot of work to get there. And. Uh, dedication to it but if that's the case then maybe that's why the lost are are being held up is that look these ones lost their way and we need to remember them learn from their mistakes but also honor them to a certain degree because it's it it's not an easy task to do and if you do fail or do you know leave the order it doesn't necessarily mean the end of you as a person you can go on to different things and do things but it takes a it's like it's like a professional athlete or a, you know an Olympian. You you have to work very very hard to get there. And if you do make it there, well, that's something to be celebrated. We talk about the flashiness of deflecting blaster bolts and using the force and all this, but that's sort of like the glorified part of being a Jedi. And you've got these people that are devoting every aspect of their life to the Jedi Order studying of the teachings and the training and all this, but then it's, you know, not kind of frivolously using your powers and it's, you know, not forming uh, unnecessary attachments and things like that, that are, that are kind of the core of the mindset of the Jedi, mm. because anybody can, you know, lift a pear and, you know, <laughs> slice it in the air. You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing is, you don't it doesn't take a Jedi to do that. Right. Okay. The Jedi is sort of the culmination of the ideals and the dedication and and really the discipline to stay on track with the teachings and, and 
being to that level of dedication. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, the uh, the floating of the pair and cutting it. I mean, all that stuff is mechanical to the Jedi. I think it's uh, it can also teach us that we are kind of a weird duality in ourselves. You know, we've got the 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 mind where that controls our thoughts and our way of being. But then you've got the the other aspect. And I can't remember if it was the id or the ego and which one was which. But we definitely have. Um, you know, uh, a sort of duplicity in our own personalities. And I think the Jedi is no different. Um, you know, as it is in the real world, it, it also lies in the fictional world. Um, you know, a force user can, you know, maybe, you know, float an apple and, you know, call to the TV remote because you don't want to get up and then change the channel that way. But <laughs> there's, uh, you know, again, it's how you use that force and how you yield those powers that makes you, you know, one versus the other, you know, a, a Jedi versus a Sith, a good guy versus mm. a bad guy. You know, we all, you know, there's that famous saying, you know, guns don't kill people kill. Um, so it's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a lot of people think it's a gray line, but it really isn't. It's pretty, it's pretty defined when you think of it. Uh, when you really think of it, um, especially in the in the aspects that I mentioned where we are kind of a duplicity uh, by nature, we're duplicitous. People have better control over it than others. I, I completely agree that. with you because you can be a force user but not be a Jedi. How you use the force, whether you can lift that pair and slice it in half, well, good for you. But what's surrounding the use of that force is, well – Right. Are you using it for good or using it for bad? Or do you understand the implications of what that does and what it can do? And that's where the discipline comes in or the disillusionment with it. And then thus the people who leave you know, the order. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It comes down to the person. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. That's why to be a Jedi is to be revered. It's like that's why they're almost a myth for many worlds. The Jedi are just sort of mystical wizards because there are so few of them at this point at least. But that's where um... – you know, you get plucked as a child to become a Jedi and they essentially teach you what they want you to know, not necessarily everything that you need to know or that you should know. And, you know, it's, it's almost like the Amish with the Rome Springer where, you know, you come of age and you have the choice. Do you want to stay in this lifestyle or do you want to, mm. you know, break, break free of that and, and go do something else Word, worldly things i'm going to radio shack that's right <laughs> radio shack oh they're so bummed to find out it doesn't exist anymore. where did it go i want corded everything i want to be attached to a wall <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing especially when you're going out on these missions and seeing other things aside from the walls of the jedi temple on coruscant and you're seeing, you know, the world around you, it's not surprising that some of these Jedi would say, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is not all there is to life, and and I want to explore something else, especially considering how many Jedi there were. That's a great point. But even though uh, there were a, a large number of Jedi, having 20 uh, kind of defect, that's a pretty good ratio, though, don't you think? <laughs> that is a very good ratio. <laughs> it's not a lot. Twenty versus how many Jedi throughout the galaxy? Well, oh, yeah, you're still. Don't get me wrong. You're still batting like eight fifty <laughs> for, for sure. 
I don't know what I don't know what that means. It's a baseball term. And exactly. um, <laughs> all right. Not that the Cubs would know about that, but you know whatever. <laughs> I keep forgetting uh, Pat's not online, so he doesn't know any of my non-sports uh, <laughs> regalia there. No, I so. tell him you know nothing okay, about sports. Right. <laughs> okay, so but at the end of that scene in the uh, Duke Jedi I Lost audiobook, it's mentioned that the lost didn't necessarily just, you know, die. They, you know, they became leaders, teachers, some of them just like faded into history and like we'd never heard of them again. So they left the order and it's not like they were disowned. They just became like Pat was saying, well, and Ro, both of you ever saying is that like, it takes a dedication to it. You come to a point where you realize, well, this is not for me. I may be force sensitive, but this is not, this is not what I want. So I'm just going to go back into regular life and leave the order. It's not like you're uh, ostracized or, um, and, but of course, <laughs> those are the good ones. Of course, some of them became Sith and we'll get to those a bit later, but uh, there's definitely um, a, uh, a certain path that depending on the nature of the person, they're, they're just can become someone sort of regular life or, you know, explore the darkness that may be inside them. And let yeah. me just say something here. Spoiler alert. If you haven't read Dooku Jedi Lost, it's, it's a phenomenal novel and, and story. At the end of that, scene that we talk about the lost where dooku and sifo diaz are best friends <laughs> so we've heard that name before so sifo diaz has a an old data pad from padawan teradine and he literally says in the novel from the time of the high republic now this was published in 2019 the the novel right so this predates the was it project luminous i think right at this point and right. so that was whether or not that was planted. And of course, Kevin Scott is a main player within the entire uh, Project Luminous. So that was, first of all, the first cool little bit of, of history there. But he also speaks about, you know, Teradine, who was this problematic uh, Padawan who's testing the boundaries of his masters. And he eventually vanished into history and not, you know, not heard of again. So being uh you know being aware of that name as the high republic is rolling out i'm listening to these novels like thinking when is this character going to show up when are they when are they going to mention him because that's going to set off a whole different path within the high republic and what a great tendril and again we talk about the lost 20 themselves as a little side story here's a little side bit within a novel that was planted maybe a year before they actually identified it and suddenly now we're on this path that wow, we could get something really juicy in the next next year. You know, I think it's phase two starts in January of 2022. In the novel, The Rising Storm, one of the most, one of the first novels of the High Republic, they mentioned the corridor of the lost in the Great Temple, which canonically represents really the first mention of the lost. And this is now back into the High Republic. So you can imagine probably there's quite a few less of them. But like Roe was saying, proportionally speaking, we had hundreds and hundreds of Jedi yeah. back then, maybe even a thousand or whatever. Well, who knows? But they already had a corridor of the lost. So these uh, Jedi who had lost their way had already started back then. Yeah, I think the, um, if I'm not mistaken, the first one to defect from the order was Master Phanius, who left in like 2000 BBY. Ooh. Is that because they kept calling him Butthead? I've heard that one so many times. That's it. I'm out of here. 
<laughs> you can take your robes. Um, so since they ruined his chances at being a being a Jedi with uh, calling him Master Butthead, um, <laughs> he became the first Dark Lord of the Sith in the New Sith Empire, and uh, he was Dark Ruin. Wow. So so that that's at least one that had um had defected uh prior to that and then you've got nine hundred or nine nine something and change BBY. There were twelve that had left. So if we're at the point in the High Republic where we're at about three hundred BBY, you've got at least twelve at wow. that point. That's a lot of lost Jedi at that point. Well, I mean, that's over a thousand years. Right. Twelve over a thousand. That's like one every hundred years. It's <laughs> still a good it's, average. <laughs> yeah, it's road dead. We're still doing pretty good. Yeah, we're still batting a thousand footballs over two year periods of ice time. Yeah, we're good. Stop. Stop. <laughs> no, you're in the penalty box. And, you know, one of the things that we should remind folks is that, uh, you know, you talk about the lost 20 and how... Some of them were lost to time, but we know that sometimes either Jedi or individuals that change from light side to dark side change their name. You've got Anakin who turned into Darth Vader. Mm. Uh, I'm wondering, too, is like how many of these lost 20 really just kind of changed their names and people knew them. It's just that they didn't know who they used to be. Uh. We also have that with the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors were supposedly, you know, fallen Jedi. And now they're going around, you know, hunting their former uh, Jedi brothers and sisters mm-hmm. through the, uh, you know, the Purge in Order 66. So, you know, again, you know, they, they may be sitting there in front of our faces and right. we don't know them. Yeah. And with some of them, like the Old Republic, like Darth Nihilus, has uh. a mask and everything. So if you have a mask on, they're not going to recognize you from, like, Jedi math class. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's one of those things where you can you can go learn the ways of the Sith and reinvent yourself, and people wouldn't be the wiser. Right. Hmm. Fresh new start. Yeah. Now, before we get to some of the bigger names that we're going to talk about, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, my young Padawan, slice that training remote in half, and you can have whatever dinner you want for you and all of your friends. Yay! I want Kashyyyk fried pork! That's right. Padawans love the crunch, and masters love the nutrients in every bite of KFP. Welcome to KFP. What can I get for you? The party feast with all the fixings, please. You got it. Order 66 is up. Who's ready to head over to the temple? I am. The other kids are dying to eat. Like the Colonel always says. This is Colonel Cody. It's finger looking good, sir. At Kashikian Fried Pool, we do it right. Mmm, get yourself a bucket of Kashiki and fried pork. It's finger licking good. All right, and we are back. Thank you for that little spot, uh, tasty little spot, too. Yeah, it made me hungry. 
Yeah, I actually just ate some KFP, and it was finger-looking good, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was what? It was finger-looking good, sir. That's what it <laughs> that's was. That's what it was. <laughs> so before the break, we were talking about some of the, the lost and what they were doing, and Ro was talking about how that you know, not necessarily are we talking about those who have transitioned into named characters. Uh, you know, others could just be side characters or force users who just, you know, were necessarily uh, leaning towards the dark. But we have a couple of big names that we haven't talked about yet. There's uh, Master Radaki, and uh, also, of course, the big one that we all know about, Count Dooku, and how they came about and what, what they went through. What do you guys think about those two? Well, I listened to the audio drama, and I, I can't remember um, the first guy that you mentioned. I don't recall him. Oh, Radaki. It was... Uh... Yeah. Well, it was one of the first ones they mentioned. Um, it was Yule Braylon in the book. And she talked mm-hmm. about how, uh, again, he questioned, you know, the Jedi life and how the fact that they had to give up what they knew in the past and their riches, which really does speak to Dooku's situation because he came from a very affluent family of which he found out after. Right. Um, but he became a very powerful Sith and he was called Darth Krall. And oh, and Pat, what would you like to say about that? There's something <laughs> I I feel like. Darth Maul, after the events of the Phantom Menace, should have changed his name to that. Dark. Oh my god! I mean, because makes sense. No legs and makes sense. No. All right, yeah. we'll stick with Darth Maul. His lightsaber actually ended up in the the Bogan collection. Oh, that, nice. And that's just like right off from the uh, Jedi Temple archive. Take a long turn at uh, refreshers and forget. <laughs> If you don't know where the Dewey Decimal System is going, you're you're screwed at that point. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. So Radaki is like one of the first that they mentioned as a one of the lost. And there's not much more to his story uh, to that. But um, the most recent addition to the lost, that being Dooku, in that novel, he was taken at a young age. And unfortunately, his father had, you know, shipped him off to the Jedi. He didn't want this Force-sensitive child as one of his own. Yeah, I think Duke was a fascinating character and obviously played brilliantly by Christopher Lee. Mm-hmm. I think we should give him credit, too, for taking this role and just running with it. I think um, it's for me, it's one of the delight of the prequels, uh, his performance along with, uh, you know, Ian McDermott uh, as Palpatine. But, you know, I think Duke realized very early on, you know, I guess the question of, of the who am I? Um, you mentioned, uh, I don't know if it was a notes or if you had mentioned it, you know, he did find out that he was affluent mm. and, you know, that might've played a role in, you know, realizing, well, you know, what am I doing here being a Jedi? You know, my family is, is who they are. Um, he, he must've been like stuck, you know, at a crossroads. And I think that is always an impetus to to question your surroundings you question your future and your past at that point because you really don't know you know what what experiences are real for you or what you lost by not having certain experiences Mm -hmm. and dooku is a really great uh example of that yeah and i think too um like uh was saying with the sort of the similes between jedi and monks is sort of the getting away from the earthly possessions and away from, you know, amassing property or wealth as part of their creed or their code 
So I think the same for the Jedi. You know, they're not supposed to form attachments. They're not supposed to um, have significant emotions in terms of many things. So I think in you know if, if you inherently have this desire for wealth or a title or something that kind of rails against the Jedi way of life and then that's available to you, I think you're going to go and take it. Yeah, and that way of life is always difficult. I mean, you know, again, just bringing, bringing real-world mythology and, and mythos to these stories. You know, the, the, the Christian story of the merchant who asked Jesus, what, what do I do? What can I do to, to follow in your ways? And Jesus says, sell all your stuff. Follow me. Go. Leave everything behind. Mm. And the guy's like, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, buddy. I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, no one says being a Jedi was easy. You can certainly cut a pair in midair, but the rest of it is pretty hard work. Well, that, that's, a, that's a great point. We, we brought this up a lot, but it really is that because you can be force sensitive and not be a Jedi. Absolutely. One of the core messages that I got with that novel was that Yoda had to know that Dooku was from Sorrento and he's bringing them to this exposition on Sorrento and he's a Padawan at this point or, or not even he's a initiate I think not even a Padawan yet and so he hasn't been chosen yet by a master Yoda and the other Jedi around them, the masters are bringing him back to his birthplace potentially setting up for a meeting so it's really putting him in a very interesting spot and trying spot because he did meet his sister. He did go through with that. He did realize that his planet and his home was is in dire straits in need of his leadership. And that's why he left all of these different things. So all these external pressures are almost secondary to what the Jedi Order is about. But if we follow that core piece of attachments, you cannot have attachments in the Jedi Order without that rule being followed. It's it's a it's a slippery slope. I mean, obviously, Obi-Wan was able to do it and countless other Jedi were able to do that. But that doesn't mean it's easy. And like you said, Ro, it's it's a commitment to it. And you either have to say yay or nay to it. But especially in Dooku's case, man, he had a lot of pressure on him. And it's like you almost you like we said in our episode, you feel sympathy for him because you see his side of the story. And it's not necessarily this glorious, glowing picture that the Jedi are talking about. There's a lot of. A lot of um, undercurrents that are going on in there, especially at this stage of the Jedi. And it's, uh, it's, it's almost understandable to that degree. And I also think that, you know, when Yoda did that, it was almost like a test. Um, you know, again, we, we go through mm. these tests. We go through, you know, you see it in literature everywhere. You know, uh, Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, you know, et cetera, like that. So, you know, these are tests that uh, the Jedi are put through to, and I don't want to say weed individuals out, but just really test their their fortitude and test their resolve. Um, and by the way, that is um, another reason Jedi cannot uh, send emails, because attachments are forbidden. <laughs> God, you and Rob are two peas in a pod, cast. Oh, man. <laughs> Like we've been talking about, and like Ro just said, you've got these trials, and mm-hmm. for one to not pass a trial uh, yeah. is kind of a teachable moment as well. You know, you can it, learn it from is. the failures and improve and better yourself. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, in real life, I think we're constantly being tried and constantly being tested. And it really, you know, that old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, but you got to learn from them in the real world and in the uh, fictional world of Star Wars. That's like brings it right back. And we started talking about like the pure reason to have those busts mm. at the Temple Archives. You have to learn from these mistakes to move forward. I mean, it's now that bust in that uh, Jedi Temple archives is reserved for masters who are lost, literally said by Yoda. But there are quite a few in the canon that we know now that really can qualify as those who are lost and they weren't necessarily master. And you would definitely put little asterisks beside them say it wasn't their fault by any means and certainly has a lot to do with the Jedi Order itself. It's, it's funny that you mentioned asterisks because um, I have number 21 in my uh, <laughs> list of lost 20 um, that Anakin considered himself the 21st of the lost. Really? But, but <laughs> it's not quite true because he wasn't a master. <laughs> Additionally, though, if you watch the lightsaber battle on Mustafar, when Obi-Wan and Anakin are speaking with each other, and Anakin says, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil, and then Obi-Wan responds with, well, then you are lost. <gasps> oh. Seems oh, 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 mind is blown. Yeah. Oh man, God, I lost. hate you. I hate you. you. <laughs> wow, nice. But that's interesting too, because it's almost like being the lost twenty-first. You know, it's almost like training and training and training, and then finally qualifying for the big race. But you qualified like three days after the race was over. <laughs> I mean, at that point, you know, at that point. Um, you know, what was happening around him was, you know, basically the Jedi Council was being dissolved and, mm -hmm. you know, Palpatine came to power and uh, the Jedi were no more or are about to be no more. I mean, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting. It's uh, too little too late for, for Anakin at that point. Wow. Now, you also have uh, other Jedi that have left. Mm -hmm. that maybe weren't quite to that level of master, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, again, as, as Anakin felt, he was one of the lost. You've got a few others that would feel that same way. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like uh, one that comes to mind, some of the recent discussions that we've had, Asajj Ventress is a great example. She was under a Jedi master and, and she was quasi Padawan and she lost her way and eventually came back to the light side at, basically at her death but she's a very very fascinating character and you know if you read the novel dark disciple you know the jedi council including well mace windu of course but uh, <laughs> but yoda as well uh using her as an accessory to essentially assassinate dooku during the clone wars she's a fascinating potential non-master lost jedi yeah, you guys talked about it in your last episode. Uh, you mentioned her. And I, I want to say that her character is very tragic because she was getting pulled from both ends. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that really affected her. I don't even know, you know, was she really a Jedi? Was she really a Sith? 
I think she had, you know, mm-hmm. both her feet on different sides of the bed, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it's, um, she suffered really. She was the butt end of two forces, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to, to use her, uh, as a pawn, really. Yeah. Not, not, not even, not even a full fledged Jedi. I think, you know, you guys started talking about, you know, how different she was. We really never found out her true potential because she just kind of went off the rails um mm-hmm. after a while searching becoming a you know i think didn't she become a bounty hunter at one point she just yep. really had mm-hmm. no clue where her direction was leading her and and it's unfortunate because she is a really cool character she's powerful visually stunning mm-hmm. um but, but yeah it's, i would like to have seen her go full-fledged either master or or sith Either either one direction. I would love to have seen her full potential because, like I said, she's she's pretty kick ass. Yes. Oh yeah, folks uh, like Ahsoka, who left the order without a doubt and didn't flip to the other side, but but still left the order and got exactly what we were saying. Uh, disenchanted with how. They were running things, how quick they were to rush to judgment, how they kind of only looked at things one-sided and just got tired of it. And then, of course, when she was, you know, absolved of all wrongdoing in her trial there and they were like, hey, uh, you can go back now. And she's like, no, I don't think so, because I'm I'm not down with whatever you guys are up to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think in an alternate universe where things worked out a different way, I think Qui-Gon, Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan would have been a very powerful trio. And you know how <sighs> Star Wars always works in trios. You've got you know Luke, Han, and, and Leia in the original trilogy. You've got uh, you know Ray, Poe, and Finn in the new trilogy. You know we always work in threes. I think they would have been pretty powerful in, in, in a story on their own if they did, you know, get uh, a chance to work together if Qui-Gon hadn't died. Um, mm. They each had a certain, um, a certain specialty, a certain power, yeah. a certain discipline. And, you know, Obi-Wan was very by the book, but he knew the teachings. Qui-Gon was a little bit more flexible, but he yeah. was more on the spiritual side. And Ahsoka was almost in between, but his convictions were were strong. So I think that would have been yeah. really great. Imagine them on the council as maybe Qui-Gon being Grandmaster, and then to his left and to his right, Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. Holy moly, man. That, wow. That would be really cool. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. Wow. Oh, man. We That's... need Roe on more often. <laughs> or we need to steal his ideas more often. Wait, there's someone else who does that. Oh. That's like a, a story that needs to be written, an alternate universe with uh, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka. Wow. Uh, I know you don't love The Last Jedi, bro, but... Um... Speak uh, up, I, I can't hear you. <laughs> you don't love The Last Jedi. But um, I think at that point, Luke has abandoned the ways of the Jedi after the destruction of his Jedi temple and his uh, Jedi school, rather. And he's kind of thrown all of, of those um, 
teachings and those practices to the wayside at that point, would he then also be considered one of the lost? Yeah, that's an interesting statement. You know, if we are using the definition that we've been discussing uh, this evening, um, then I, I, I might be able to say, yes, he could be a lost Jedi. But, you know, again, pushing back, because obviously my love for The Last Jedi uh, reserves me the right to do so. Um, <laughs> the the Ahsoka left the Order and she became almost like a living lost Jedi. Mm. We, we would agree with that, right? Okay. Yeah. Yes. But she didn't abandon everyone she cared for. She didn't abandon wanting to help people that needed help. In the novel, Ahsoka, she was hiding out, yes, mm -hmm. but she still helped that planet. Yeah. She still helped the Absolutely. characters in the book. Um, there was still an aspect of hope, even in Clone Wars. I mean, she left the Jedi Order. She went down to the lower levels, yeah. and she, you know, the Martez sisters needed help. None of these characters went into complete, complete darkness or just wanting to just uh you know excise themselves from the galaxy i mean i or don't know from the force either or right from the force, from the force. that's a huge know? point yeah yeah so i mean you know obviously i've got my problems with with the last jedi you know somebody that is as uh, great of a character as luke skywalker to to really choose to not help uh you know his sister or the uh, characters and friends that he's made throughout the years, you know, saving the galaxy, you know, why? I, I just, I can't get on board with that. Um, but as far as, you know, a lost Jedi, I mean, I said, okay, maybe, but, you know, in retrospect, after giving it some thought in the last, what, 32 seconds that I've been talking, <laughs> I, I really don't think that he would be considered a lost Jedi. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and I think the whole dynamic changes from what you see in the High Republic to what you see in the prequels to what remains of the Jedi Order in the time of the Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and essentially nothing remains of it. So the parameters are are greatly changed at that point in the game. So you know, it, I could see it breaking either way. Where you know, as Rose said, he's he's not really because he's, he's cut himself off completely, and he's and he doesn't have any interest in anything to do with the galaxy right? Uh, versus, you know, yeah, he's lost because he's left the foundation of what the Jedi mean, mm. you know. You know, and at least Ahsoka, you know, she tried to kind of redefine herself and maybe recenter herself, and Luke just gave up, period. Yeah, and if he was the sole remnant of the last Jedi, um, not in this context, but like, the one who was trying to rebuild the temple and, and train new Padawans or at least uh, initiates. And then that ended up where it did. He's like, OK, well, I tried. I'm out. Peace. See you later. And I think one of the major differences between the two of them is Luke left because he feels that he failed the Jedi. Ahsoka left because the Jedi, Jedi. failed her. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. <laughs> oh man so in that sense she wanted to improve upon the jedi to be greater than what their benchmark for you know greatness was so she left and said you're imperfect i'm going to do what you guys should be doing mm -hmm. which is still pretty jedi 
it'll be interesting to sure. see what her story ends up being in her series there, you know, coming up yeah. in the next year or two. Absolutely. Ugh. Wow. That was a very cool discussion about The Lost, I would, I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for joining us, Ro, tonight. That was a long time coming. And uh, but seriously, you know, we we are so honored and happy to be part of the Red Five Network and uh, such a great group of people and supportive and and funny and and talented and all that kind of stuff. But um, but thank you for making time to come out with us tonight. It is my pleasure. Really had fun talking about this. Anytime you guys want to talk about anything having to do with Star Wars, Jedi, Sith, whatever, give me a ring. I'll be there. Sweet. So uh, where can people find you and the awesome Scarif podcast on socials? Scarif podcast and all the socials. Find us on all those fancy podcatchers like Apple, Pandora, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. ScarifScuttlebutt.com. And we are also on the Red 5 Network. But yeah, join me and uh, Shanti and sometimes Brad uh, talking about all things geek and uh having fun we love to interact with you know besides our red five family with uh, a whole bunch of different accounts and different people one of the reasons that uh, we kind of uh formed this little merry band of uh of uh, red fivers <laughs> but um yeah interaction is really the key and i really love you know interacting with everybody and kind of finding everyone's content um but absolutely, you know, we're mostly on Twitter and Instagram, but uh, Twitter's where you'll find us. We've, we've been part of the Red 5 Network for a long time, and, um, you know, we've loved interacting with Ro and Rob, and, well, like, everybody in Red 5 is fantastic. Uh, but, you know, the fact that we have the pleasure of Ro from Scuttlebutt uh, on our program has really been... Um, been fun and uh we intend to do it again a lot sooner yes than this <laughs> would, be, would be would be awesome yeah it's been like what two years three years yes it'll be yeah, three years coming up yeah wow and we have That's yet incredible. to be to a scarifcon shame on us i you, you were there, weren't gonna you were bring there. this up <laughs> too bad i'm you putting it out there so that we yes you were, you were there in spirit 2022 excellent <laughs> let us know maybe awesome yes <laughs> The Force is a powerful ally. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>